Hello, we're so happy you came to join us for Insane Rhetoric. We have a special edition. We have something extra special we wanted to talk about. So we added a bonus episode so that we could talk about something going on in our country right now that we think is so insane. Come on in and join the ride of Insane Rhetoric. Hey guys, this is Fire from Insane Rhetoric. Check this out. Listen, we need your help in sustaining future episodes, conversations, so we can bring more of the craziness and the insanity to you that's going on in your community, in your city, and in your world. Can you please help us to donate to Insane Rhetoric? And your small, medium, or large gifts are more than appreciated. And we would love to keep this station coming to you and giving you the information that you need about the insanity in your world. So check this out. Please, please, please donate to Insane Rhetoric so we can sustain sustain future episodes. Hey, thank you once again. Fire out. I really don't. (laughs) What's up, Insane Rhetoric? What's up, Insane Rhetoric? You know what time it is. The world is upside down and we're trying to make it right side up. It's that time again. Listen, listen. Are you ready for the show on today? We're going to have a good show. So we got another guest. Y'all know him as the token one. Yeah, I'll change that. Also, no, don't change that. Ice. You know you her as to. the fire. Don't change what? He want to change, change his name. Don't change. Okay, so change your name. Okay, so 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 no, nah, you don't have to change your name. Just leave it the same. We know who you are. This this dude is so silly. So listen, we're talking about a serious issue on this morning. So we want you to just sit back and relax and just enjoy the ride. Just be aware, like some of the content could be offensive to some people, but it's an issue that is prevalent in the United States and the world. So just sit back, relax, enjoy the ride of insane rhetoric, and let's get into it. Let's go get it, y'all. So um, just to reiterate, today's show is, um, I know, I know. X-rated. I know. That's saying a lot for insane rhetoric. That's but, that's that's like putting a, you know a PG thirteen. Yeah. And that's why I like this. We but this is an adult show anyway. It Absolutely. is an explicit show anyway. But today be very mindful that we are going to be talking about um very adult situations. E- even though um this particular topic um will hit teens but um just it's it's explicit today so 18 or older please 18 or older don't listen to this around your children in the back seat okay so today's topic we're going to talk about alcoholism um so i don't know if y'all knew 85.6 percent 
85.6% of people ages 18 and older have reported that they drank alcohol at some point in their life. So 18 or older, for sure. We know there are some younger, but 18 or older, they say, well, they, they, they've drank. 69.5% reported that they drank in the past year. 54.9% of men in the age group, of, in, in the same age group, and 51% of women in the same age group reported that they drank in the past month. Okay. Binge drinking and heavy alcohol use. 25.8% people ages 18 and older, which is 29.7% of men, 22.2% of women reported that they engaged in binge drinking in the past month. 6.3%, that's 8.3% of men and 4.5% of women reported that they engaged in heavy alcohol use in the past month, okay? <sighs> High intensity drinking is defined as consuming alcohol at levels that are two or more times the gender specific binge drinking threshold. Okay, so compared with people who did not binge drink, people who drank alcohol at twice the gender-specific binge drinking thresholds were 70 times more likely to have an alcohol-related emergency. You know, like go to the emergency room. Yeah, and alcohol poisoning. consumed alcohol at three times the gender-specific binge thresholds were 93 times more likely to have alcohol-related emergencies. Alcohol use disorder. 14.5 million people ages 12 and older have alcohol, have alcohol disorder. <sighs> Okay, y'all. Okay, here we go. Let's break it down. Ages 12 and older. 14, that 14.5 million. It breaks down to 5.3% of this age group had alcohol use disorder. This includes 9 million men. Five million women. The statistics. Let me do one more. Just give me one more. Twelve to seventeen. Ages twelve to seventeen. Adolescents twelve to seventeen. One hundred and sixty-three thousand males. Two hundred and fifty-one thousand females. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew. Now, the uh, statistics are insane. Um, 
and good morning everybody for those who may or may not know my name is matt and i am an alcoholic i'm grateful to be here this morning and being here with my brother and my sister um, alcoholism is something that has affected my life and uh it it took over it took reins and it controlled me and now i don't live my life like that um i started working on sobriety at uh it was on november 14th 2020 my mom had found me in my apartment she knew that i've been battling with it for a while and i was about two-fifths of vodka in by two o'clock in the afternoon on a wednesday i was drinking to absolute excess and i was using it to numb myself and cope with the struggles that i was going through and uh the next day she asked me if i would do an aa meeting with her um i'm the only alcoholic in my family fortunately that they don't have to struggle with that just the stuff that i put them through um i've been hospitalized many times <clears throat> for dumb stuff um I remember collapsing in the shower 12 days after or 12 hours after my last drink from alcoholic withdrawal. My legs were shaking uncontrollably. It felt like there was a rat in my body trying to run and figure a way out. My muscles were spasming. I literally couldn't walk. I had to pull myself up out of the shower and call 911 and put me on drugs. So the withdrawal, there's only two drugs that you can actually die from withdrawal and one is alcohol and the other is benzodiazepines interesting enough benzodiazepines are what they prescribe you to get you through the withdrawal so i did um 25 milligrams of librium twice a day for seven days until i could get make sure i wasn't going to have like a seizure or uh, you know have the absolute worst withdrawals again so just kind of interesting to know that fact So what age were you when you started drinking, Matthew? Um, I was actually, I came from a pretty decent family that can drink normally. Uh, I started experimenting with alcohol probably when I was 16, 17, 18. And then I went off to college and uh, all of a sudden I find myself in the most popular fraternity down there. Um, I Don't tell me it was Sigma Nu. Sigma Chi. <laughs> um i got a story about sigma nu i tell y'all another time sigma nu that's my favorite white boy group go ahead <laughs> all right so yeah I was, I was in a very popular fraternity at uh, southeast missouri state and then i was playing rugby we were sponsored by a big time alcohol distributor and then on top of that i started uh bartending at the busiest nightclub so i was literally surrounded by alcohol and I didn't know how to do anything but drink because I was surrounded by it. It became my identity. I was like the fun guy on campus who could, you know, always get it, always have it. You know, we were always at parties, get togethers, matches. <clears throat> it was insane. It was nuts. And uh, I used it in my successes when I graduated. I, if I got a promotion, I'd drink. If I got fired, I'd drink. If there was anything positive or negative, I used it for whatever, either a celebration or to numb it. Yeah. 
It's kind of ironic that um, alcohol addiction is the number one drug in the country. You know, it surpasses actually uh, heroin, crack cocaine, um, methamphetamines, it whatever. It is it, because it's so tangible to get, and it's is. It, it does so much damage. Uh, first of all, uh, I commend you for, you know, going through what you had to go through or today, because the sad part about it is some people don't make it to these uh, different platforms because they don't take the time to get the help that they need. And that is one of the biggest things that you um that you you have to have i commend your family um for even coming to you because sometimes people don't receive that in the in the state that they're in and so i commend you and your family for just walking with you man because that's a that's a day at a time situation and i i can say hey i i'm proud of you for doing it because what would the world be without Matt? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I commend you for that. But as my co-host was saying about the numbers, the numbers are staggering. And anytime you can have when the medical community has a disorder and it is so bad that they constitute a disease at a certain point in time <laughs> you know what i'm saying because alcoholism is a disease just not an addiction it is a disease medical standpoint because it affects so much of the mind and the body itself you know i mean we've now been in parties where we've been seeing the person that can't hold it together because they didn't had too much. We didn't see, we didn't see that. And we didn't see how their attitude changes. So just imagine if you're dealing with, uh, you're in a household and somebody has an issue with alcoholism, it just does not affect the person that is drinking. It affects everybody around them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you have a, bad disposition when you're sober <laughs> you can imagine the disposition that you would have when you're intoxicated because it it, it just heightens who you are you know what i'm saying and i i i just the people at insane rhetoric whatever the situation is if you have this problem there are people that can help you know and get the help that you need so you don't succumb to certain situations because i know we're going to branch out into a, a whole bunch of different avenues that that was worse for some people than others you know so i i don't i don't i don't know what to say outside of that there help you know uh for those people who want the help but you gotta first want it so I want to speak to the opposite side of that. Um, so in my family, 
they were alcoholics. Um, but um, I wasn't I wasn't around them uh, that closely. So we knew they were alcoholics. I wasn't around them that closely. I did not have that type of experience that Matthew's talking about his family until I was, um, I must've been, I, I think I was in my mid mid twenties and I had an experience with someone who was, who was addicted to drugs and um, it led me to be, it led me to a violent hatred, worse than punch him in the throat. Hmm. Okay. Like you couldn't even let me know you had even had a problem because it was just bad. And so I met a young lady who had a drug addiction and I cussed her out the first time I met her. People suggested that I go to Al-Anon for my problem, right? I went to one Al-Anon meeting and swore I'd never go again. For me, Al-Anon didn't work for me because I did not want to sit there and listen to more. After one time, I didn't need to know that there were people like me. I didn't want to hear your problem with your child. I didn't want to hear your problem with your husband. I didn't want to hear your problem because I had my own problems that I was trying to get over. It wasn't helping me to get over it like that. So after a while, me and this young lady became friend-like. And but but we could do that because we never talked about her addiction. So one day she said, hey, why don't you come go somewhere with me? And so I went and when I got there, she said, okay, so I brought you to a um, AA meeting. And I said, okay, I'm not supposed to go in there. She said, well, it'll be all right. I, 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 I'm a, I just let just, do you promise you're not going to take people's stories out of here and whatever? And if you know somebody in here, you're not going. And I said, okay. So she takes me inside and she introduces me and she tells them why she brought me. And then they ask me to tell my story. So I got up and I said, my name is, and I'm not an addict. Okay. They laughed. I told my story. What was interesting was that as they began to get up one by one to tell their story, when they would finish their story, they would turn around to me and say, I know you're not my family member. I know you're not my wife. I know you're not my this, my girlfriend, whatever. But would you please accept my apology? I can never go back to them. I've tried to make amends. They won't let me go back. Would you please accept my apology? And what was interesting was that that was what I needed, was an addict to say to me and to validate for me 
that they had done these horrible things to me. And so now is why I can sit here with Matthew and love on him like a brother because I had that type of experience. Al-Anon didn't work for me. I'm not telling y'all not to go to Al-Anon. What I'm telling you is, is that it did not work for me. Where certain people require certain things. I mean, when you go back and you listen to uh, Freud, the great philosopher, and you and, and how he had to figure out what was going on with him first before he can actually um, help anybody. Because what they don't know that a lot of people don't know is that Freud was a manic depressant. And from from some of the things that he experienced in life, Albert Einstein, <laughs> same same thing. He, 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 just, he just in certain things, they function well and others, they fell apart, you know. Um, so you just got to know who you are and what will work for you at that time. Um, uh, and this and this, like I say, I, I, I'm feeling this show because we all, I don't care who you are, have experienced some type of relationship with somebody you know that's either addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, or maybe have bipolarism, manic depressant. It doesn't matter. It's all the same, and it requires um, a lot of help. Like, say, um, years ago, I found out that uh, one of my relatives had experienced um, a horrific thing growing up. And basically what it was, he found out he actually seen his best friend rape his sister, killer. And he went off the deep end. <laughs> and when I say the deep end, his mind completely snapped. And he has never been right since and he has fallen into depression bipolarism alcoholism and 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 drugs for years to this day i mean i think he's about he would probably be about 70 <laughs> and just a lifetime of in and out mental hospitals a lifetime of trying to what we classify as self-medicate, which does not work. <laughs> it does not work. Um, you, you have to know that somebody has to help you walk through with, uh, with your issue. And, and the funny thing about it, I, I, I'm not trying to be funny or be condescending. It, it just doesn't affect one group of people. It affects everybody. It doesn't affect just one level of educated people. It affects everybody. I had an uncle who uh, recently passed away who was a, a writer from Harvard. And uh, he, uh, he also uh, graduated from BYU. He dealt with depression all his life. 
you know the last time he went into a, a spell of depression he was there for 20 years 20 years of being depressed in just that situation when he wouldn't come out the house he wouldn't he wouldn't go go places and and take phone calls from even his family now I later got to talk to him about different situations and found out like the things that affect and cause him to have this chemical imbalance. But the problem with him was he knew that he was intelligent enough to know that, but he wouldn't even take his meds to keep him level. So, and still he did an injustice to himself because he didn't want to take the medicine for that, you know? And so everybody around him, his wife, his family was always affected by that. You know what I'm saying? Because he, it wasn't the person that they know. And I'm telling you this, and I'm saying this because alcoholism, drug addiction takes us out of our character. It takes us out of our character. Our character, it is not who we are. You know what I'm saying? We got to get past, oh, this is our representative. This Matt is the fun person that drinks a lot or, 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 or Ronnie is the fun person that be around this and that. No, that is not who we are. That is the, the presentation that we're putting on when we feel that we need to do these things. But that's not who you are. So I understand. I, I, I have people that I have been around who deal with all types of disorders. I mean, so it is nothing that is just uh, ethnicity specific. It happens to everybody. The great Gandhi struggled with depression. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it all just depends on your perspective is and what your trajectory is on what you want to do concerning your life because you can change so i'm getting these statistics by the way just in case you want to check me fact check me i'm getting these statistics from the national institute on alcoholism abuse and alcoholism uh one of the things they have reported as to why um people become alcoholics is drinking age, early drinking age. Um, and someone who started drinking before the age of 21 is typically more likely not, that's not the only reason, but they are typically in the numbers more likely to become alcoholic five times more than the person who starts at age 21. Mm. Um, the other thing is genetics and family history of alcohol mm. problems. Mm. Um, heredity is approximately 60%. Yeah. Okay. Um, so your, your genes sometimes can take you there. Um, parent, parental drinking patterns can also influence the likelihood of a child who would one day become um, 
an alcoholic. So I saw as uh, I saw I saw that happen play out. I, I recently watched uh, Fosse Verndon on uh, Hulu. It's about these two dancers, famous dancers, Bob Fosse and Gwen Herndon. And their daughter, Nicole, became a drug use, alcoholic, all the drugs you could do kind of person like her daddy, okay? She, she even told them how she almost fell off a roof one day, getting high with her friends. Um, and she would take her daddy's drugs and smoke her daddy's cigarettes. And no one ever got help for her until she was well into her late teens. But the third thing that um, is, is listed here is uh, mental health conditions and the history of trauma, which you five have already kind of touched on. But this also includes um, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, ADHD. Okay, these are all commingled with alcoholism. And I can see what ADHD would be because it's about focus. Mm -hmm. If you think that that alcohol is making you focus, slow down and focus, then that's what you're going to when you're self-medicating. Yep, absolutely. So I have a question. I have a question for you, Matt, if you don't mind answering. Anything. Um, what actually propelled you to start drinking? Like most people can go back and say it was a bad home environment. It was this, it was that. What made you turn the corner to start drinking? That's a really good question. Um, I kind of touched on this last week inadvertently, but um, I was never like Mr. Popular. And alcohol, I started finding out, especially in college, I was getting a ton of attention. I was having fun. I was like the big man on campus. I was a, the fun guy to be around. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, it just took me out of my shell that I had in high school. And I I felt like I was like a rock star. Like, I lived my life like a member of Motley Crue. None of the fame or fortune. <laughs> um, but that is what propelled me. It was exciting. It was, I was finding myself in situations where I just felt like I was lucid. I was, I was fun. I was just outgoing. I it's a lot. Um, and then, you know, after COVID hit, I was struggling as, you know, in my business and I just had a, a broken engagement and uh, I used to be the life of the party up until about three, three years ago. And then that last year or so, man, I would just, I went from the opposite. I went from here talking to everybody, drinking at the pool to literally self-isolating in the darkness of my apartment by myself i would wake up at six o'clock in the morning i had to pop three shots of vodka that i already had in my nightstand just to like level out i was walking my dog around the apartment complex i was puking on the side of my building because i was so just messed up inside my body was not functioning 
And uh, guess what? The solution was to drink more. Mm-hmm. And I would just keep drinking, keep drinking, pass out, wake up, drink again, go to sleep, repeat cycle. You know, when it got so bad that the day that my mom found me, uh, I shouldn't say found me, but she came to my place because she was concerned. Mm-hmm. She went through my apartment and uh, she went through every nightstand, drawer, box, closet, you name it. She found a hundred and like 150 something airplane bottles of vodka. <clears throat> they were empty. Now, if you think about this insanity, if you live by yourself, why don't you just throw them in the damn trash can? But when I had people over and I was entertaining for a while, I didn't want them to know how bad my problem was because I knew I had one and I was starting to figure it out. So she found all these empty bottles and uh, I woke up to my mom sitting at my kitchen island. I'm like, what are you doing here? She goes, Matt, are you ready? I was like, ready for what? She goes, are you ready to admit that you have a problem and that you need help? And I saw the damage that I had done to her. How scared and upset she was for me. You know, I wasn't going to family dinners. I was making up excuses to not go so I could sit at home by myself and drink. And I said, yeah, mom. And I started crying. And I was like, I'm ready. So the best advice I could give anybody who's struggling is ask for help. Sometimes it doesn't always come to you. Sometimes you got to go to it. And everybody has a different story. And that's one of the beautiful things about Alcoholics Anonymous is you're there with, I've been in meetings where there's five people. I've been in meetings where there's 75 people. And some of those people are my best friends now. And uh, I know that sounds corny to somebody who's not an addict. But when I walked into my first meeting, the first time I said, my name is Matt, I'm an alcoholic. I was terrified. I'm, I'm like shaking right now. I'm like, it just brings me back. And that's not a bad thing because I have to be scared if I take that next drink again. Okay. I was wondering because I was just about to say, do we need to stop talking about this? Because I don't need you to go get a drink. Oh, no, no, no. I am. I want to keep liking you. You guys saw me last weekend at the photo shoot, and I am still a fun son of a gun with or without alcohol. And I think I'm a lot okay. fun without, but AA, there are open meetings, there are closed meetings. So closed means you you have to identify as an alcoholic or at least want help to go. An open meeting, um, the girl I'm talking to right now, she went to a meeting with me, and she's not an alcoholic. So there's that. And then there's also men's meetings and there's women's meetings. And, you know, some women love going to, you know, just, just females and some men just like going to men's meetings. And uh, the mixed meetings are cool because you get the perspective on everything. But I, I felt like I was going to be alone. I'm like, nobody is going to understand what I've been through and what my story is. That was my ego talking. Well, after you start hearing 65 alcoholics in a room talk about their story, they're like, oh, my God, they've, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. So you're, 
you're not unique in that sense, but you're never alone. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, for those for those who don't know or who don't read it, the Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. Everybody has done something, and it, it's not new. It might be new to you in your in your life, but and there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, I, now, my, my next question to you, Matt, was: Have you ever had any encounters where it came across that you might want to take your life? Or, or anything of that nature. If that's touchy, then we can move. We can leave it alone. But nope. just, just, just asking because we know that some people come to that that point in our crossroads in their life where they feel I'm better off not hurt. All right, off to the races. I was engaged, like I said, and. My alcoholism, uh, my girl, my fiance at the time told me she was going to go to bed. And I was like, oh, I'm going to finish this show. That was my excuse to sit out in the living room by myself and sneak more drinks. I felt so awful because I knew I was doing something wrong. And then I had a, a couple girls send me some pictures that I had talked to in the past on Facebook. And I woke up at two o'clock in the morning to her holding my phone and uh, I, I was so mad. I was so resentful at her for finding me doing something wrong that I shouldn't have been doing. So instead of just manning up or admitting that I had fault, I started yelling and screaming. I was punching holes in walls and doors and I went to my nightstand. I grabbed a, a gun and I sat in the shower while screaming at her with a loaded gun in my head. Ready to take myself out of existence. I had thought about it previously and I just felt like I was worthless. My life was collapsing underneath me and all of a sudden a guardian angel was sent to me. Her three-year-old daughter walked around the corner rubbing her eyes and she led i'd woken her up and she i immediately dropped the magazine cleared the round and i'm like kayla get this get this gun away from me and her daughter goes you know daddy why are you upset i'm like oh daddy's just going through some stuff baby i'm, I'm okay and she goes well when i'm upset or sick, you always take care of me and make me feel better. What can I do for you? And she crawled into the tub with me and hugged me and smiled and kissed me. And that was the moment that actually saved my life. But I knew that the, the engagement was already done. I knew I had screwed up beyond repair. So I ended up going out on a wild night on the town she had my buddy pick me up um i was with him and his four kids and his wife for like four nights i got a text one morning i was just going out for a drive at 10 30 in the morning next thing i know i'm at wheelhouse downtown and uh ran into some friends from college 
they were like, hey, we got cocaine. Have you ever done it? I'm like, no. I uh, left his house after he trusted me with his family. When I left at 1030 in the morning, I didn't show up until 630 the following morning. I'd been awake the entire time. Completely drove there drunk. I did Uber home, so I was at least responsible in that uh, aspect. But I didn't know where I parked my truck. Couldn't find it. I was lying to everybody. I was just doing what I wanted to do. And that night made me feel awful. So I called my dad at 6.30 next morning and I was like, I was getting it from all angles. And I thought about it again. What does the world get from me? Why do they need me? And something hit me. I just moved into my apartment. Things got a little bit better and then they got really bad. So when I, when I first got sober, I was sitting on my patio and I had two right iron rocking chairs. And I was finally like starting to feel like the grace of God and my newfound spirituality and my sobriety. And I was like, you know what, just because things have gotten this low, it doesn't mean they can't get better. So I chose the fight instead of flight. And I'm sitting there in those right iron rocking chairs and I, I got my beats on. It's like midnight. I'm just, I'm cranking up my music. I'm like going through my list. And I was like, I mean, this is weird. I'm like, I never sit in the left chair. I moved over to the right and that chair was rocking. When I got up and I'm sitting there scrolling three minutes later, the chair is still rocking. And I'm like, it's not even windy out. Like the chair shouldn't be moving still. About five minutes later, that chair was still rocking. And I took my headphones off, put them around my neck. I looked over at this empty chair and I felt the power that either God or guardian angel was sitting there rocking in that chair next to me. That moment was when I realized I am worth it. And I don't ever want to put my family, my friends, or anybody else through what I have. And that moment is when I was like, I got to change. I'm going to mute myself because of the dog. Oh. Well, I want to know one question. Well, I got two questions, but this one I got to ask first. Did the chair ever stop rocking? (laughs) It eventually did, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a little spooky. <laughs> well, okay, second I, question I, is I, I, second question is what age were you when you took your first drink? Uh, probably like 14, 15. Well, I I I I know why you're here. Would you like my explanation on why you're here? To fix my roof, man. When you gonna come fix my roof? <laughs> Once you do that, it'll be all. It'll that's all you need. Your life's work will be done. <laughs> to fix this roof. 
That's all I got to do. I'll do it. I can be out next week, buddy. Man, that's kidding, man. You know, uh, man, I, I just, I just, um, the, the funny thing and how me and Matt met is just funny. I was calling around looking for a roofer, and this dude just started talking to me just about just off the fly, just like about other stuff. And we got, had a long conversation, nothing about my roof. <laughs> so we just talking, 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 and we just hooked up from that point. And, and, and ever since he's been a genuine guy, been a cool guy. I mean, I, I consider him as my brother, man, because this dude is just, he has, he has the same type of heart and compassion that I have for people. He just wants to help people and be better. And that alone merits me to just be like, look, bro, you got to hang with me. You got to be around me. And my thing is, when you're family, you do what you need to do for family, no matter where they come from, what they're going through. A friend, a true friend stays there in good and bad times so i'm not a good friend oh you know what you you know what i'm i'm really praying about that <laughs> i'm really praying i know you have some other issues right now so you have some other concerns so i can take the back burner in that one so but i mean i i, I i'm just saying about- I, my life has been so devastated by drug use that that's the one thing like I can and you know you know fire I I can go through a whole bunch of stuff but and I, and I'm not talking about casual drug use I'm talking about addiction what so is, let me let me what let is me casual drug use you know so you I I'm talking about these people that's going these people that's going to be on my thing that I'm going to have to talk to later they're going to be commenting later and I'm gonna have to comment to them and tell them shut up. See, when, I'm talking about them people that's saying, "Oh, I only smoked weed when I was in high school." Well, weed smoke- is not a drug. Okay, can I get to my point? Yeah, but <laughs> clear that up because that's a plant. No, no chemical needed for that. But go ahead. Right, boy, that is like saying cocaine is a plant it comes from the cocoa plant yeah but it's added things are added to them those properties are added to nonetheless that to produce that nonetheless though but that uh-oh this is go, something <laughs> all. Just go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead ice. i'm just gonna do like this because i can't get my go ahead ice. because we know people that if i if, if i cut you off then they gonna be saying why she cut you out Mm-mm. go ahead go ahead ice because you know we got listeners that think i ain't supposed to say nothing go ahead, ice, on my nothing. show make your make your point ice let's go okay. baby girl floor is yours <laughs> so so addict addicted people let me just say it like that. I, is that black enough, peoples? But we'll take it. Okay. Addictive, addictive folk. I, I just can't. I've been through so much with that one instance. 
Like I can't, we don't have enough time on the shelf for me to tell you if they went down with that. But let's just tell you it was pretty bad. It was so, okay, I'm gonna say it like this. It was so bad, you would have thought that I was on drugs too. So, and this was me trying to maneuver through this system that I was being introduced to. Cause that person figured out that I that I was bougie too, that I that I come from that, you know, that I was white bread. So it was a lot of stuff that they could oh well, a lot of stuff go over my head anyway, but like they really figured it out and used it to my disadvantage. I didn't learn I didn't learn how to use curse words really good until I was with this person. Now I can cuss better than you. Or anybody else in the building. Okay. You to that one. Okay. That's how bad. That's how badly this was. So no, if you're a, if you're, if you haven't, if you're addicted to drugs and alcohol, uh, we, I, I can be nice and cordial now. I, I don't have to be violently rude but as far as having you around me in my life helping you no uh i'm still not gonna do that man i'm gonna need you to not drink because i like you i am way you not drink i can i hope can can you not drink do we need to throw some holy water for you or something no, I just need to keep doing what I'm doing and okay. doing okay. my meetings and work with my sponsor, work on my steps. And it makes okay. me a completely better person. Um, I was at my little sister's wedding in Chicago. Um, this was on August 19th. I was in the wedding as a groomsman. Um, I was on the party bus. To, they were taking us to all the pictures before. There was the rehearsal dinner the night before. Everybody was drinking. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's drinking. <clears throat> and now I'm at the point where I'm strong enough that I can be around all that without ever wanting to drink. I was just sitting back, relaxing, watching everybody else act a fool. And I did that all day, all night, and then all day and all night. And I was very, we were on our way from the last photo shoot to um, the wedding like the ceremony and <laughs> my brother-in-law's brother threw a beer to the back of the trolley where I was sitting he missed it because they're all drunk and uncoordinated smokes me in the chest I'm like get me off this fucking bus that was like my point I'm like I'm done so anyways it was a lot of fun beautiful wedding beautiful ceremony and then I stayed for the father-daughter dance the first dance uh, I was able to walk my mother down the aisle. She'd asked me because she's so proud of everything. Man, if I was still drinking, I don't think she would have asked me. I don't even know if I would have made it to the wedding, to be honest. You think? I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah, all right. right. <laughs> and, uh, I, First no, I, of all, you got to have coordination to get down the aisle. And, and people who drink, uh, coordination is horrible. Well, <laughs> I, uh, I said my goodbyes to my my family 
and my brother-in-law's family and everybody at the table, um, they've known me for years, all my sister's friends, their boyfriends and husbands. And uh, about 9.30 at night, I was like, I'm catching a ride out of here and I'm going back to the hotel and I'm going to bed. So yeah. I did call my girl, talk to her, said good night and another sober day in the books. Yep. I, I I appreciate that, uh, Matt. Uh, also, here here's a little funny part. Matt actually called me to be his black sponsor. He called me while he was on his head, and I was like, "Sure, I'll make sure you do right." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm just calling him, just as friends, man, just checking up on him, like, man, he like." Man, I'm on my way to my sister's wedding, and this is gonna go on. That's gonna go on, and like I say, he called me a couple of times before, you know, and he was like, "Man, I'm cool. Everything's good," and he had a good time, made it back safe, had fun with his family, man. Um, yeah, he, when I was up there, when I was up there, we was drinking water, and that his water wasn't even spiked. His water wasn't even spiked with gin or vodka, nothing. Who it puts was gin in water? It was. I'm talking about the water bottle. It was water in the water bottle, y'all. It was water because I was checking it out. He had water in the water bottle. I know you were smelling it. You were making sure. Yeah. Yeah, like like I say, he around good people, man. I appreciate it. So like me, I had I'm gonna have to speak to the issue of um once again bipolarism and different things. So one year I was at a particular church playing, getting ready to play and everything. And I was outside and this young lady walked down the street and uh, I invited her into the church or whatever. She was like, no, nah, I won't come in, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, uh, she walked maybe probably feet and turned around and just came back and just started she said can i talk to you i was like yeah i got the time so she dropped a whole bunch of life issues at my door whole bunch of life issues things that she was going through things that she did things that she were doing i mean just just crazy information now i don't know this person from a can of paint don't know him at all conversation what she said to me it it prompted me to do what i do now she said thank you for listening because if you didn't listen i was on my way to commit suicide some people just need an outlet for somebody to hear them they don't need you to make judgment they don't need you to make criticism. They don't need you to be like pointing the finger. They just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. And it might save their life. Yeah. Well, you know, whether you're using, there's still a real thing. It's depression. And if you're already depressed and you're using, well, alcohol and some drugs are depressants and it's yeah. just pull you lower yep to the point of your breaking point 
and uh you know i've been affected by it in my life and i thought about how negatively it, it affected me because i felt like i never listened or maybe i didn't do something right or i could have stepped in or intervened and i have a couple really good friends of mine that i've been talking to that have reached out to me and it kind of goes full circle because if i was drinking or using i wasn't communicating with people i was in my own shit that's all i cared about and over the last year even the last two months i've had three friends reach out to me that were about to hurt themselves and i was like you know i i've made phone calls to their families i've gone over there i've talked to them and uh the most rewarding thing i think i've ever had in my life was i i won't mention any names obviously but uh after they were taken off the uh, 72 hour hold, they called me and they're like, if, if you didn't do what you did to just listen to me and force my ass in there to think, I don't know if I'd be here. I'm grateful I am today. Just listening. That's all you got to do. It's the most simple <laughs> thing you could do. It's just, just listen. I, I remember, uh, one of my friends, one of my uh, other musicians' friends from uh, Oklahoma, and uh, me and him, he was actually in St. Louis. This was a while ago when we was in the, one of the music workshops, and we had a mutual friend who battled with depression and bipolarism and schizophrenia. I was like, this is just, this, this right here is just over the top. So he called my friend, Philip. And uh, Philip answered the call and say, he said, man, listen, I'm going through some issues and I need some help. So Philip goes over there and talks him off the ledge. And he, he was all right. A week went by. Same situation happened. Some minutes, his family didn't want to deal with the situation or didn't know how to deal with it. I'm going to say it like that. How to deal with the situation. So he calls Philip, but Philip couldn't make it. Later, we found out that he had pulled the trigger on himself and killed himself. That alone changed my perspective on mental illness and how it affects everybody around you. I mean, good guy, very good guy. If he could have found the way to get the help that he needed, but he was to, to himself, he was so beyond repair that nobody could help him because that's what he believed. That was his, his mental capacity that he's beyond help. So he figures that his only way out is to end his life. 
And that is a sad place to be for anybody. Because whether you are, are, are a drug addict, alcoholic, you have mental problems, your life is worth so much more than your problem. And that that when you know that your life is worth more than the problem, you can what what, what some of the old people say, they say you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go to work and start to make small changes to do things to better your life. But you have to first know that it's worth more than that. And I, I just I just I see people go through stuff and get off into things. And then sometimes they never recover from that. Sometimes people do. It take a long road. And it's so funny what, what, what our parents used to tell us. It take you a little bit to get in something, but it take you a lifetime to get out of it. It's, it's crazy, like how the cycle is. And then, like I said, it's a vicious cycle. You know, I know people running around uh, the city right now that were prominent people, but now they're addicts. You know what I'm saying? I know people who are, are on jobs that are functioning addicts, but that only lasts for a little while. That's, that's, that's only going to last for a little while because eventually that's going to show. I, I don't know. I just hope people get the help that they need so they can be beneficial to the people that's around them. I mean, that's 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 like for real for me, for me to even be on this show and talking about stuff like this is freaking insane to me, you know, because I, my my thing is what makes a person who's not doing drugs start to do drugs? Like, so, so the main <laughs> the main cause the, the main cause we're talking about mental illness and all of that right now most alcoholics it has been found statistically that most alcoholics suffer from major depressive disorder so that's different from bipolar that's different from mm -hmm. minor depressive disorder most of them um, suffer from major depressive disorder. So that's when an individual has persistently low or depressed mood, decreased interest in pleasurable activities, feelings of guilt or worthlessness, lack of energy, poor concentration, appetite changes, okay, sleep disturbances, suicidal thoughts all of which Matt, Matthew described mm -hmm. okay so major depressive disorder MDD and it's usually on a level five DSM level five yeah okay. I, I told I told Matt that I would love to uh attend uh Alcoholics Anonymous meeting with him and because it's just information that would be good to know you know, to to understand like how that works, you know, because you never know who you're going to run into. And if you even go into those type of uh, positions, you can you can do what you need to do 
and right. and and try to help and talk to people about it that they would learn something and maybe it can help him as they as they go on through life so i'm interested in going to uh interested in going to one when he gets some time and I, I would love to go just to gain information because you never know what you can learn about it. You know, that might help somebody on along the way. You know, that's that's all it comes down to. And just as he as Matt being my friend, I would just go and help and support him also. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Because he's my friend, <laughs> you know, right. so. <laughs> I, that's, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. So, because I'm all about information, learn as much as you can. Because when you die, you forget it anyway. Yeah. The uh, sorry, the dog's neighbor's dog is just running in circles, barking constantly, and they won't. Should have put the muzzle on the dog. Shit, I'll do it myself. Anyway, uh, so now, you, you guys both are more than welcome to come to a meeting with me. I think every single person on this planet can benefit from AA, whether you are an addict or not, you know, you talk about the 12 steps and 12 traditions, you know, you talk about gratitude, you know, you talk about your spirituality, you know, people misconstrue it for uh, a religious program. I mean, they do use the word God a lot, but it just depends on what you you consider your higher power. You know, there's a chapter called We Agnostics and it's in the big book. And it's really interesting, honestly, uh, you know, we do big book studies where there are speaker meetings. Uh, a fire actually first week of November, I'm going to be speaking. So you, you'll get basically 30 minutes of my entire story. I talk about how I grew up, what happened and where everything changed and then what it's like now. So I actually, I, read, I actually read the book. I actually read the whole book. Which book you read? The AA book. This yeah is it, a, is it a big book it's a big book i would think yeah it, it was actually really good actually it was a good read so okay i'm gonna check i'm gonna check it out so oh, listen we gonna we gonna get ready to uh wrap this show up this segment up but uh uh ice would you would you have any uh regrets about doing a part two to this what you think we think we should do a part two i think we should do a part two Okay, whatever. I'm, yeah. da I'm down. You know, I mean, because like maybe we can get somebody that Matt knows who can come on and be like how it affected his family. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody that, you know, that they went through it with him and, you know, they're glad that he has changed. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Just to just to keep supporting him. Look, this and, is T. Listen, listen, this is T. You know, we go get Matt. <laughs> I'll say this before I gotta I gotta jump off here pretty quick. Um, yeah, we better wrap up anyway. One of the coolest things I ever experienced was being at my sister's wedding, and my entire family was there. And uh, my little sister gave me a hug before I left. And she goes, I got my big brother back. That's a plus. That's a plus, man. That brought that tears is, my eyes. I, now, that, last week, you thought I was going to cry. This week, I am crying. That was, all right. That was we, a cool experience. We, we ain't going to talk you about you. You with friends? 
<laughs> I'm glad I got my brother, my new brother too. I'm glad I got my new brother. Who is your new brother? Matthew. Oh, okay, wonderful. Hey, I love y'all. That's love why he called me baby girl. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's all good. So listen, we want y'all to like, subscribe, and follow to Insane Rhetoric. Um, this has been uh, uh, an experience because, you know, if you have heard our shows, we go off on a lot of different things, but we also don't play no games when it comes to trying to help people and move forward and change their life. Because like we say here, the world is insane. <laughs> and it is a lot of stuff that's going on in our world, you know? So <clears throat> we want you just to like, subscribe and follow. We want you to check on every platform. We are on, uh, we are on, what is it? Amazon Music. We're on freaking Apple, Google Music, wherever you can find your your podcast platform. We're on it. We're in several different countries. So I mean, we are heard literally around the world. You can find us on Facebook. You can hit on Twitter. You can touch us on the gram. Whatever you need to do to like, follow, and subscribe, please do so. And uh, you can also check us out and hit us up and leave comments because we go back and check our comments and make sure that people ain't uh, wanting us to talk about blowing up some new building because my co-host will call the police on you. I'm a tattletale. And I would just sit back and laugh. She go to jail. <laughs> I mean, that's just I'm not gonna be a part of that. Go back, just go back and listen to our episode on January 6th. Yeah, Capital so, Rise. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I will yeah, report yeah. you. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, on, not, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. So uh all being said, Matthew, we thank you uh yeah, for being you. uh who you are. We thank you for being on insane rhetoric, man. But most of all, we send congratulations out to you for doing your day-to-day justice and being who you are because really you are a genuine person, man. And I appreciate that. I mean, and you are, you're fun to be around and you know how to take a joke. (laughs) We ain't gonna talk about the type of jokes, but you know how to take a joke. I got thick skin, boy. (laughs) So do I, I think it's because it's black, but I ain't gonna. Well, I'll tell you what, Insane Rhetoric, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to the next one. So, uh, Token White Guy, out. All right, just remember to enjoy the ride that is Insane Rhetoric. We're holla. We're so happy you joined us for Rebroadcast Monday. Come back and join us on Rewind Wednesday. But until then, just remember to enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric, baby.